Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. All right. Welcome back to another recording of the Elevate Media Podcast. I'm Chris Anderson, your host. And today we're going to be talking about a, a topic that is on a little bit deeper level. And it's not necessarily directly related to entrepreneurship, but directed towards our personal lives and those who have dealt with eating disorders and things of that nature. So just a little warning preference to this episode that we will be diving into that topic. So if there's any triggers or anything like that that could come up, you can go ahead and skip this episode. But we're going to dive into that, dive into how our guest overcame her own eating disorder and how she has changed her perspective on her own self and life. And we're super excited to bring Olivia Kelly on today to discuss just that. So Olivia, thanks for coming on the Elevate Media Podcast today. Thanks for having me. I love that trigger warning that you sent out as well. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to be cognizant of that sometimes. Sometimes I forget, but yeah, especially when these are serious topics that a lot of people deal with and, and sometimes people don't know they deal with them. And so definitely want to put that out there. I guess to start real quick, give the, the audience a little bit of an overview of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Olivia. I started my business about a year and a half ago with doing fitness coaching combined with eating disorder recovery coaching after my own journey through my own eating disorder. I was in the hospital for my restrictive eating disorder, went through treatment, found uh, some gaps in the recovery industry, fell in love with the gym, decided to put them together. And and now here I am. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's cool. To, so I've been connected with Olivia on social media for a little while now, Instagram, and I've seen her story and seen the things she's shared about her journey and and things she has shared for others to help them. And it's been really cool. And so then finding out she was also a Hoosier like myself, it was even a, a neater thing to be able to connect with and get her on the show today. And Olivia, you mentioned there that you were hospitalized for your restrictive eating disorder. And, and I apologize if I say anything incorrectly, but what does that mean for those who don't know what a restrictive eating disorder is? Yeah. So there's a few main types of eating disorders. The one that I was sick with is called anorexia. So it's basically just a lack of food intake that that gets you pretty sick. So I I just wasn't eating basically or wasn't eating enough. And that got me to lose a lot of weight and get to a point where I needed to be hospitalized in a wheelchair until I was able to put on enough weight to to start being healthy again. So yeah, with that, so a lot of questions pop in my head right there. I guess how and again, any question I ask, you don't have to answer anything because I don't want to be, but like, what was your weight? Why did you get to that you were hospitalized? Like, how lean were you? So I, I want to preface my answer to this question that a weight doesn't equal, like okay. if someone's listening and they're like, oh, I'm not that small or whatever, that doesn't discredit something that you could be struggling with. So I want to okay. just, I want to Perfect. No, but thank you. I will answer your question. So I'm a pretty small individual. I'm five two. And I sit around 115, 120 in my healthy body weight, and I was about 80 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was pretty much just skin and bone, and I went in there at risk of osteoporosis and heart failure, and they were like, you can't walk. Like, you need to be in a wheelchair. So I was in the hospital for a few weeks. Wow. And how long, and thank you for clarifying that uh, on people's perspective on the weight and everything, uh, because I'm learning as well. Uh, And so I'm hoping that others can learn and 
glean something from this on a deeper level. D- did anyone know during this whole process? How long were you struggling with the, the eating disorder? Did anyone else know or say anything before hospitalization? That's a really good question. I was talking to this about someone the other day, and it's funny how no one in my family or myself really knew that I was struggling. It was, I would say, it was a pretty gradual weight loss. About seventh grade is when it started. And then 10th grade is when I went into the hospital. So it, it was over a lot of time. And it wasn't until my best friend in high school was le- told my parents, hey, she's only eating, this is, she's only eating about seven almonds for lunch. And I think it's a problem. And they took that and we went to the doctor. And then that day I went straight into the hospital. Wow. So what do you think could have happened if your friend didn't step up and say anything? I'm not sure. I think my parents would have caught it um, because my mental health was definitely deteriorating. I wasn't handling things well. I was going downhill in friendships and classes, having a lot of panic attacks. So I think that I would have ended up at the doctor and in the hospital either way. Yeah. That's crazy. And like you said, no one really noticed until someone says anything because it's a gradual. And so I think thinking of people in your life, like personally in my life, like, do we notice those things like your friend did and am able to say, are, are able to say anything like that? Cause you said it is a gradual change sometimes. And I think that right there is a wake call for everybody. It's like to really check in on your friends, check in on those who, who you love and who you might notice some changes and make sure they're okay. And how do you, how can someone approach someone who they think might be struggling with something like this in a way that's Loving, caring, but still, hey, I think there might be something you're dealing with here. That's a really great question and something that I'm still honestly figuring out myself as an eating disorder recovery coach, because there's a lot of people that you can't help unless they're willing to get help. Being very like non-attack or accusatory, because as someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, there's a very strong voice in your head that's not yours, that's convincing you're not sick. And it's... That voice is what's going to respond when you point it out to them. It's definitely denial. So coming from a place of just care and suggestive, hey, I, I've had friends of mine refer people to me it just as a, hey, I have this person that this post really resonates. Maybe give her a follow or something like that. And then from there, letting someone who's a little bit more experienced talk to them. So just like suggesting that they look at this page or look at this resource. But if they're, yeah, it's just a really tricky situation. Yeah, I'm sure I can't imagine. And I think if you go at it with a decent heart and a decent, like from a decent perspective, I think hopefully the good will come from it, like how your friend approached the situation. But yeah, I think getting them resources just an almost nonchalant like hey this resonated with me i think you it could resonate with you check it out kind of thing is a great tip to start because a lot of us like have no experience like myself if i notice someone at all with the possibility like i had, i would have no idea where to send one i do obviously i send them to to your page but previously so i think that's a great step that people can take if they notice anything in, in others lives now with your story seventh grade was there something again is there a moment in time that like that you remember your eating disorder starting because of something did it just gradually happen walk us through this if you remember or, or know like the start of what kind of triggered or, or led to that yeah i one thing that when i was going through my recovery that my therapist told me that i remember is that i just had the perfect storm of mm-hmm. things happen which is i think if, if you're susceptible to an eating disorder, that's it's just a perfect storm of things that happen that add up. Yeah, I can share. So my my grandparents died. 
my parents got divorced and my mom got cancer all within the same year. And my an alcoholic relative moved into the household. So with all that going on and being the youngest of five siblings, there was just a lot of not non-intentional neglect where I had to just be an adult at like six years old. And I lived in a lot of a family turmoil. So I think the slow, gradual decline with food was just a coping mechanism through it all that I didn't really put together and no one else caught just because there was so much going on until it was like, oh my gosh, wait. Yeah. So is that almost, is it like a a coping mechanism as far as that's something you can actually control? Like you could control not eating or am I off on that or is it another kind of level? No, I I think you're hitting it. To this day, I, I honestly don't really know. Just there was just a comfort in being able to control something. I think when there was a lot that in my household that was very far out of my control. So where was your, during that 7th to 10th grade, what was your mind like? How did you see yourself? Did Was that affected as well? Or was that not a, not part of the illness? Like seeing my body, you mean? Yeah. Did you see yourself as like too skinny, not skinny? I, again, I apologize if I'm using words incorrectly on this topic. I don't know much about it. But like, did, how did you see yourself? What was your self-worth kind of level, confidence level, things like that? Yeah. So I think having... Puberty hit right at that same time frame didn't really help a lot because my body was changing. Mm-hmm. And that was something else that fell out of my control. And I was like, no, uh-huh. like, no, nah, I can't handle this too. So I definitely didn't have a very good view of my body. And also, I have very vivid memories of being in gym class, locker rooms, like changing and like just all sorts of comparison. Oh, I don't look as good as this girl. Like, what? I need to look different. I don't feel good. Yeah, I definitely didn't have a good relationship with how I looked. It was something else that I... Yeah, okay. And then, so with that, with everything going on in your family dynamic, and then going to the hospital, when that moment happened, how was the response from your parents who took you and your response? Once you, again, when you went to the hospital, it was like, oh, I do have this disorders that I've been dealing with that I've just been not looking at or not focusing on kind of thing. What was that moment in the hospital when your parents and yourselves realized we're dealing with this? So it was actually what pops into my head is I had convinced my parents that I didn't need to go to the hospital, that outpatient treatment was going to be enough. And they were like, okay, yeah, that's probably fine. And that was probably, that was my eating disorder talking, not wanting to get better. And so I was on my way. My mom was taking me to school, like my third day of my grade, like sophomore year. And I actually was having a panic attack on, on the way to school and ended up kicking out the car windshield. Oh, uh, my. Wow. Yeah. I, and that and my mom, she looks at me and she just takes a deep breath and we drive straight to the hospital, mm. like with the windshield, because she was like, oh, there's Olivia asking for help. I think that was the first time that... I actually was like thought through my eating disorder and asked for help because convincing them to not take me to the hospital, I I was 80 pounds. Like that would have been detrimental. Yeah, that was an intense share, but that no. was- and, and going forward, did, yeah. So you're in there for a week, you said, in the hospital? Two. Two weeks, sorry. Yeah, two weeks in the hospital. Once that moment happened, I'm sure it wasn't an instant change, of course, at all. What was that? healing process like going forward physically and mentally? I'm sure you had some big hurdles you had to overcome. Yeah, that's sort of a big question. Yeah, I guess what was the first step? Because obviously you can't just start eating a bunch, correct? Right away, you'd have to gradually increase your intake, correct? For your system. 
Yeah. So the dietitian at the hospital had my meal plan and I would have to sit and eat all the meals. And then they added in like insurers and booths and increased meals. And then when I got out of the hospital and was in an outpatient program, I had the dietitian there gave me a meal plan that I had to follow. So it was pretty much for a while, just like forcing myself to get food down. Yeah. Was Uh, that hard? Did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to give up and not continue it? Continue that process? Or was it, okay, I need to do this. I'm going to stick with it and and see it through. A bit of both. Okay. I think that I am lucky in in a way to not have dealt with a whole lot of relapse. Because when I was in the hospital, once I decided... And once it hit me that, whoa, like I'm actually dealing with this, I didn't really look back. But I think it's been eight years and people that I was at in the outpatient treatment with are still in recovery at that. It's I'm not really sure what what it is that but I, I feel lucky that I could just hit the ground running. Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to do that. And did you see it? A mindset shift right away? Or when did you notice a difference in, in how you saw yourself? Was there a moment you're like, oh, wow, I actually, I love myself. I love my body. Like, I, was there ever a shift that was you remember? Yeah, actually, I don't think I got to the, oh, wow, I actually love myself until last year, wow. like seven years in to recovery. If for a long time, it's just, I don't know what I'm doing. When I dealt with a lot of depression throughout a lot of my recovery, but this, I think the shift that happened in the hospital was like, I am going like, I'm headed towards killing myself yeah. if I don't eat. And so I think that shift was just a realization. And then it didn't get to, it took about probably about seven years. Yeah. To get to, oh, wow, I actually love myself. And, and it's awesome that you got to that point because some people go through the whole life and don't see themselves that way. It's a constant battle. So with that, you've been through this journey, this amazing story of overcoming this and working through this, and now you help others do it as well. So where would you direct people to start when they're on this recovery journey You know, to be able to love themselves and to be able to start implementing different things in their diets? Like, where do you start with them? In my coaching or in, just in general? In general, in coaching, um, whichever. So I, I break it down in a few different things. I think you have to get educated on food and on lifting, because I think there's so much information out there that confuses us and leads us down a really dark path. So I do, I have a full back-end course where I just, in in simple, non-triggering terms, just go through, this is what your body needs and why, and this is the movement and the rest that your body needs and why. So I think understanding how to take care of yourself in those aspects is important. And then I'm trying to think what my steps are. And then a community of support, just finding people that that get it. I think it doesn't, you know, there's so many of us out there that are like, oh, just eat this, just do this. And, and having people that have been through it is really important and just and opening up and being vulnerable. And then one thing that has changed the game for me also in in finding the, the love for myself is, I feel like this sounds silly, but I want to say presence and gratitude. Okay. So getting out of the panic spiral and the negative self-talk and being able to just get really grounded. We talk about yoga and we talk about breathing. And I think they're all just tools to get out of our negative self-talk. That's huge. And I've seen some of your posts about that, about your yoga, about your journaling, about getting outside. And so I was going to ask, what are some of your things? What's your go-to when you're in a negative spiral that you go to? Is it the breathing? Is it yoga? Is it journaling? What's your kind of first go-to thing if you can do it? Probably journaling. Out outside, mm. I think 
it's funny, but recently I've become the hippie friend that just wants to smell all the flowers and be outside barefoot. But it really makes a huge difference. Yeah, 100%. That's something I do. Like, I'll just, so we have a couple acres here, thankfully, and outside. And so when I get overwhelmed or when I'm getting just, just there's a bunch of fires I got to put out in business. It's just, I'm like, okay, this is enough. Or, or I get the negative self-talk. I go outside, I'll walk barefoot just to get grounded and be connected and take some deep breaths because I think it is so beneficial to to change that perspective, that positioning of our mindset to to gratitude. Hey, thank you that I'm able to walk out here in this grass and get away. And yeah, I think that's a big thing. And I think that's awesome that you hit on that within your coaching is it, that perspective shift and, and getting into that gratitude state. Yeah, it's been a huge game changer. Yeah. What are some other things? I'm trying to see how I frame this question. I guess, yeah. What is What are some things that you tell yourself now versus what you told yourself back then as far as like your self-talk goes? That I'm sure that has changed some. Are there any go-to phrases that you're willing to share that you tell yourself to remind yourself of who Olivia really is? I love that question. Well, before there, there was just nothing nice I had to say about myself. I remember I just pick everything apart. There was yeah, we don't have to go over it. There's just nothing nice I had to say about right. this. But now I guess it's not so much the like positive affirmation or positive talk that I noted. The it's just the underlying piece that I noticed. So big things that have shifted for me is it's gonna sound like a little woo, I <laughs> But the I don't know if you've ever heard of EFT tapping. Yeah. But doing that and just repeating the mantra, I love you, body. I love you. Thank you. So just so much gratitude and appreciation and just instilling that in my body that like, thank you for being here. Like, I actually love you. And then, yeah, I holding eye contact with yourself in the mirror and just like, I love you. Um, And allowing space to be emotional. I used to always beat myself up for having panic attacks or being depressed and just be mad at myself for having hard emotions. And now it's okay. If we need to feel this, we can cry it out. Okay. What do you need? That's yeah. huge. I think that's really cool that you share that. And I appreciate you sharing that. I think the looking in the mirror one and saying those things, like I'm trying to picture myself doing that, how I would feel because from my perspective, I've struggled with depression back through college uh, to point where I thought about killing myself. Thankfully, I never tried or anything like that, but just seeing myself negatively and the same thing, like nothing good. Nothing yeah. good was said towards myself from me and changing that narrative. And I think the tapping, I've interviewed guests about the tapping and, and I think it's, that's a thing because it's, it brings awareness. Like you're physically like talking to yourself or looking in the mirror and it's looking at yourself and saying those things is like, it just changes it. it. It just, instead of, oh yeah, I'm awesome. But like when you're looking yourself in the eyes in the mirror, I think that's a good thing people could try. And, and something I've tried, and I don't know if you've done any of something like this, but it's like a meditation type thing where you sit with your eyes closed. And of course, like there's like the background music, but then someone guides you through seeing a chair in front of you and your younger self comes in at like age four and then up until a certain age. And you tell yourself, I'm proud of you or whatever it is that you missed out on or felt like you missed out on. You tell that to your younger self looking at them and say, I don't get emotional very often, which is probably a good and a bad thing. But like during that, like just broke down because there's so much barriers that I didn't realize I still had about myself that being able to look at my younger selves and say what I was missing out or what I felt like I was missing out of uh, was huge too. And it's just, have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, so really funny. So I have this picture of my little self sitting on my desk. 
I just being goofy as all get awesome. out. And and I have them around my apartment too. Because the around this age is when I just felt everything hit the fan in my life. And so being able to bring her back to the forefront and be like, you're safe, you're okay. Mm -hmm. Like you can still enjoy and be held and be taken care of now and checking in with her. What do you need today? Should we go on a walk? It sounds silly, but... No, that's awesome. I think it's so true because there's so much unhealed hurt and, and traumas that we don't even think about that have led to who we are as a person today that we can, by doing those kind of things, can really change changes the trajectory of our lives and how we live going forward. And so I think it's really cool that you have those around your house or around your apartment and you utilize that in, in that regard. So I guess to round things out, it's been, Olivia, it's been a great conversation. I've really appreciated you sharing everything you have so far. I have one more question for you, but before I do ask it, if people are looking to seek help from someone with your services, things that you do in this realm, where can they connect with you, contact you and get more information? So I, my website, my business is called Ed to Fed. So eating disorder, Ed to Fed. So edtofed.com is my website. My name's Olivia Kelly, but on Instagram, it's Olivia underscore Kell with three L's, K-E-L-L. Those are where I'm most active and where most of my information is. Also on Facebook is Olivia Kelly. So Cool. Yeah, awesome. Definitely get connected with Olivia, everybody listening, especially if, if you know someone who might be dealing with these different illnesses and you just want to give them a resource in a non kind of intrusive way. It's, it's a great, uh, Olivia's a great person to get connected with and share with. So I definitely do that. And, and if you need help, obviously seek that help however you can reach out to people like Olivia or someone locally, but definitely seek that and don't shy away from it because there are people that want to help and are there for you. Olivia, again, wrapping things out. If you could go back to your seventh grade self, uh, like you do looking at those pictures around your apartment, what's one thing that you would tell her? Something you maybe have already told yourself through those pictures that you you go back to and remind her of? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Before I forget, though, on your closing remarks um, of reaching out for help, I feel like my story is intense and people can relate to it or feel, whoa, I have not gone through that. And I want to also put the disclaimer that I, a healthy relationship with food and yourself doesn't have to only come from being in the deep, dark pits mm. of something. And I help people of all walks of life. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have been in the hospital for anorexia to deserve help with food. Anyway, so what I would tell my like seventh grade self, the thing that I've really had to instill in myself now that I think just comes from what I didn't feel back then is a sense of safety. So I find myself a lot of times in, in those exercises that I was talking about, just telling a past version of myself that I'm safe. So I sometimes I'll just look at those pictures or be in meditation and just really remind my younger self, hey, you're safe. Like, it's okay. And mm. that's not very profound or anything, but yeah. I, I just think that's what she needed to hear. Okay. Yeah. And so that's perfect. Doesn't It's profound in her life. And if she was to hear, that's awesome. Again, Olivia, thanks so much uh, for sharing today. Again, everyone, make sure you get connected with her, pass along her information if anyone needs it. But Olivia, thanks for being on the Elevate Media Podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.